What you got there? Got a little sandwich from Jimmy John's. I ordered it at uh, two fifty five, and it showed up at uh, three oh one. How is that possible? I don't know. It's a little too fast. It's like a wormhole. Yeah, it's like it's like the Touch ID being too fast. It's a little too fast. A little too now fast. Merlin's too quiet again. Ah, hello. I'm here. I'm talking. Um, I'm talking. Keep, keep it going. Keep sports it going. bra, sports bra, lifts and That's separates. Sports bra. That's on me. That's it. Like? That's on nope. oh, someone, someone must have fucked it up. Somebody fucked it up. I can't hear anything anymore. I'm here. Oh my no. dear God! Is that loud? Someone did fuck it up. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, you're Jesus. on for some reason. Okay. <laughs> All right. How are how you doing there? Wow, that was. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. I just had a I just had a, an experience. You had a blast of Merlin in your ear hole. <laughs> Imagine how people feel. Wow. Just right there all the time, right in their ear. Now, uh, we had a lot of uh, listener feedback on our last episode. People wanted to know what the uh, what the canonical uh, internet ramen is. I should make a page so I can start getting making some bank off of this. Yes. Well, um, we'll, we'll put your Amazon affiliates link in the show notes. My Kuali? Is that right? I don't have it with me, but we did get uh, a little care package from Merlin. I don't want to say from where. Let's say uh, West Coast. <laughs> and uh, it uh, it's got uh, it was a whole uh, it was a, a great deal of uh, internet ramen. We have a whole drawer full now. I hope you'll share it with the team. Well, it's it's Alex and I's uh, special ramen stash for now. Maybe we'll we'll see. Maybe it's some sort of like incentive based uh, performance metrics program for the rest of the company. That's not a bad idea. Can... And this this could actually also be a reality show. It's a little bit like a Hunger Games thing, where you can if you're in the office, you can only eat things that that fans have sent you. Mm-hmm. One quarter portion. <laughs> This joke is worth one quarter portion. <laughs> That's funny. Ha- have either of you ever had uh, just dried ramen? Yes. yes. It's delicious. It's like it's good. It's like food. chips. Yep. That's the only and way my daughter will eat ramen. She she loves raw pasta <laughs> of all kinds. Do you, do you put the spice? Do you put the the seasoning mix on it? No. So you crumble. Uh... So you crumble it up. You crumble it up in your dorm room. Preferably, this it tastes better if you're in a dorm room. You crumble it up and then you put the seasoning mix and then you shake it all up and uh, you got uh, you got little chips going. I think no, plain's I, better. I think it's a thing that people do. It might be like a, jo- a jokey bro thing to like take the raw ramen out, put the flavor pack on top, and then eat it. Well, you don't have an oven now, so this is a good oh uh, option for you. Oh, I need to get a sponsor. Mm. Okay, let's see. Good. Jimmy, Jimmy John's. Getting my chips. I'm going to put the chips right on the sandwich. Jimmy I feel like John's. With a Jimmy, do you guys have Jimmy John's out in uh, you know? Oh my gosh, we have one in Cracker Cracker Galleria. I didn't even realize that. It's literally the fastest food that uh, can be delivered to our office. I have not eaten all day. I just went to the sandwich place and the line was too long. I was going to get some uh, clam chowder, but uh, the line was too long. So I might be a little bit goofy. I'll I'll say this about Jimmy John's. Uh, It's preferable to hunger. Oh, (laughs) sure. They're just going to have to run with that. (laughs) I think that might be their company slogan. Uh, Mildly preferable to hunger. Merlin, do you want to take up? Do you want to take a minute and make some internet ramen? No, I don't have any here. I'm I'm underprepared. I got lots of lots of water. I got inter- can, can we can we can we get a can we get a, a Jimmy John's order going right now? Uh, I don't know if they deliver out here. Go on JimmyJohns.com and put your address in. JimmyJohns.com. Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. Order online. Jimmy John's. No, I think this is what people like to hear when they listen. Start an order. I think this is um. It's like an ASMR. It's right. actually kind of Experience. a pleasant noise. I don't know why. Uh, um, you put the chips right on the sandwich. Well, it's. I think right. it's because the sandwich is like muting the harsh sound of the chips. It's Let's nice. see. Select state. Hungry. 
confirm address. And I can pick up. I can pick up downtown. If I no, 5.71, 5.5 miles. That's enough said. We can wait. No, we got to solve this. What are we going to do here? No, I'll be I all right. No, I'm fine. I'm so do excited. Do all Postmates? Do can all I, Pass grab it? Can I, can I pull back the, uh, the curtain here? You guys have sent me, you team, you persons, have sent me so many great links. Oh, oh. yes. That was all Alex. I had nothing to do with it. Have you, have you read these, Max? Yeah. I read oh them my. all today. <gasps> oh, my God. We have so much to talk about. This is really exciting. I know. And, okay, so here's Alex, how did you find all this stuff? Well, well tell people of- tell people what it is. Alex, Alex has sent. I, I do that all the time. <laughs> I tell people what to say and then I say it. <laughs> tell them what it's about. Um, Alex has sent uh, like half a dozen links. Marlon, Mar- you want to tell me about something you like? Oh yeah, hi, hi. God, I'm just I'm just really just like a bundle of ticks. Um, I, I had a I had a half a cup of coffee this morning for uh, filming, and now I'm like shaking, and it's like ah, because coffee is terrible. Uh, but yeah, I, I just have this. I've Do you had, not drink caffeine? I well, I'm having a diet coke right now, and during conventions or when I need to stay up for 36 hours, occasionally I'll have a Red Bull, but usually the mania just does that for me. Um, that stuff's dangerous. Wow, so you don't have a lot. You don't normally have caffeine. No. And today you're having the coffee and the Diet Coke. Yeah, it, it, it was a mistake. Um, but yeah, I just have this like running queue of uh, like insider TV stuff. And uh, not a ton of it is on reality shows. Um, but yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of like behind the curtain and, uh, sub, you know, top five things you don't know about Top Chef. Uh, but but some of the stuff is really interesting. Well, and it was, I, I really appreciated your curation of this because each one of these, so you sent me these uh, articles and gave them to Max. And each one of these articles is about like a different aspect um, of something uh, uh, something that we've obsessed about on here. So, for yep. example, there's one. The, the first one, that Grantland article, it's basically about, you know, uh, complaining about the way this uh, particular one season they talk about ended, why we love Top Chef and how you can screw it up, which we obsess over. Another one where they interview somebody who used to be on the show and now is something I'd never heard of, a culinary producer for the show mm-hmm. who goes out and goes in like shops for all the stuff. That's fascinating. I want to talk about all of these. Another one, like behind the scenes of what the judges say and do, what some of the rules are. A really good like general article uh, from somebody who works in TV about how reality TV shows work. Another one about how oh, this is so great about how the contestants what's the phrase you stay undercover during and after the show, and then what it's like to be a diner at one of the events. So it's all kinds of things that I just thank you so much because this I this is going to change the way I watch this show. Can we so just to just to jump into one of these that I really liked? Can we talk about the first one about how the Kristen Kish season ended? Um, and specifically, do you have that one up, Alex? Do we, do we, does someone want to read that? That's not me. I thought this was very, it was, a, it was a good piece. Very, I love this kind of writing, you know, like taking it serious. It's almost like Tom Wolf, you know, taking this kind of uh, not serious things seriously, but also f- funny and well-written. And so the basic conceit is like, this is after, I don't remember watch. I think I didn't watch this season. You keep talking oh, about this. it's one of my favorites. It's a great, it's one of the best seasons. I think that's Top Chef Boston. Seattle. <laughs> the headline is. The Top Chef, colon. Seattle finale was ruined by meddlesome magical elves. <laughs> yep. That was really good. I have no beef while we're cooked with Kristen's victory, despite her being unjustly eliminated some weeks back. Uh, LCK, while obviously a cynical traffic-generating stunt, has also uh, been a fascinating glimpse into the weird media divide between the quote-unquote real show we watch on our TV and the extended afterlife that exists in countless recaps blogs. 
Watching Kristen emerge uh, from the untelevised underworld back into the main fray last week was something. Is this the part you were talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Was something like uh, was like some 21st century vision of the Orpheus myth. Only this time, our <laughs> heroine successfully resisted looking over her shoulder and losing her microplane greater for all eternity. <laughs> I can't help but wonder, though, at the desperate frenzy of the Last Chance Kitchen challenges, all of which seem to be more or less cook this fish really fast and make Tom Colicchio happy, helped her in the flash bomb of the finale. Kristen plates, and we can infer uh, f- Kristen's plates, and we can f- infer flavors were consistently as understated, lovely, and refined as she was. So, I mean, it's it's really good though because it gets to, it, it gets to so much stuff that that's been like you know kind of overt and and you know behind our own thoughts throughout this watching this season is like why we watch this show why we like this show and why we get such an icky feeling when it diverges uh from what makes this show feel different from the other shows fair oh yeah um and this season i i also should uh i'll I'll send over david reese uh who i'm a really big fan of recapped every episode of this season of top shop yeah Uh, i didn't know that and and like like I said, the the finale of this was just crazy ridiculous. Um, and he just says this bit about uh, wait, you mean the the one with Kristen Kish? Yes. Oh, not the oh, not I the see. season we're doing. Right, right. No, no, no. Uh, he was like that. This I, is David enough. Reese is the coolest guy in the world. Yep. And I met him. I had dinner with him on the um, the Joko cruise, and I just wanted so badly. I've been a fan of his. For I mean, for so long, like since he was doing the Get Your War On comic, yeah. And I want and Veronica and I had dinner at his uh, table, with and uh, I just wanted so badly to impress him and and ha- have him <laughs> think that I was cool. And That's basically the entire time I was on the cruise. Every person I met, I just wanted to impress them. I mean, I it's not. I mean, not, hopefully not in a in a greasy way. I just you know you just can't help it. It's like holy crap! I'm like having dinner with David Reese. Like I want him to think I'm cool. And I tried so hard to sort of say something that would make a connection. And I was from, you know, I was, of course, it was that weird relationship where I was very familiar with his work and he had no idea who the fuck I was. And eventually he just um, sort of, there were a bunch of new people at the table and he just sort of uh, went around the table and he asked everyone, you know, what their deal was. And when he heard that, and I was, meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I make like, games and I'm doing all this nerd stuff and we have all these mutual friends. I was trying, you know, trying to think of something and in. And uh, Veronica's like, oh, I'm a chemist. And his, like, pupils dilated. He was like, like, what are chemicals? And it was, and we were off. Like, it was the greatest. He just got, he's so unironically enthusiastic about everything. He's, I mean, um, I mean, I spent a little bit of time with him on the cruise. A fair amount of time. I don't think I impressed him at all. But uh, what I will tell you from having spent some time with him is that uh, he is, as you say, unironically just as curious and enthusiastic as he seems. And there's a lot of stuff, like, you know, the kind of stuff you and I are into, like, oh, like, personality stuff, beep a doop doop doesn't seem so into that. But, man, there was, there was, it was so funny, like, the little nerd room for a bunch of the talent. People would just sit there and do complicated puzzles for hours. And he, he is so enthusiastic. You know, here's a good tip in life. Find curious people and spend time with them. Ugh. Curious curious people don't age the way other people age. Because, really, he, he would be so genuinely interested in how something actually works and I, I love that in a person. I love that kind of curiosity. Yeah, and <clears throat> I just love with with. Um, I, I'll never forget that dinner. I had. I'm. It was. Uh, it was the first time I met uh, Robin Goldwasser as well, who was like She's the, the nicest, the nicest, most genuine, smartest person. You I feel met like on you instantly feel cruise. like you've known her your whole life. Oh, oh man, that was. It was. It was so great, and just uh, and getting to have dinner with them and and just be part of that uh, little uh, show was. Uh, uh, was pretty incredible. 
Um, I would love to find those. So, but I don't know. I this this article I had to read these really quickly. I didn't have a lot of time, so I read them all. Like, yeah, Merlin, I I have. Uh, uh, I don't want to alarm you, but I have uh, dispatched a uh, Postmates delivery to your house with some food. Not your not your house. Your other undisclosed location. Okay. Yeah. Uh, don't tell me. I don't want to know what it is. Okay. Well, it'll be dramatic. It'll get there in about twenty minutes. So we'll, okay, great. We'll, we'll do a, uh, an unboxing. Okay, sounds terrific. I can <laughs> we'll really do a live use unboxing it. at the. Uh, I, I, I've had, this is my day where I have to do stuff, so mm-hmm. you know it's hard. It's you a big know, day. I got two two podcasts and pick a kid up from camp. It's crazy stuff. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, yeah, I thought this was terrific, and it because it really got to this. So the article is called "The Top Chef Seattle Finale Was Ruined." I, I'm assuming we'll put all these in notes. Um, but it really got at that thing where, where it's sort of like what we've been saying all along of like, okay, we know this is a TV show. We know this is a reality show. We know that it's heavily stage managed and written and produced and all kinds of stuff. But it, it's like a whole di- – it's almost like – it's a lot like pro wrestling. We're like learning how pro wrestling is made does not make it less interesting. It makes it a thousand times more interesting. And the more you learn about it, you learn about all these layers to what's going on. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you first learn – that the wrestling is written and that they know the outcome. You go, oh, that's interesting. But then you go, oh, how do they do that? Well, you know what they do? They rehearse a lot. They, they Well, not rehearse, but they, they all know the moves. They communicate with each other in the ring. You're like, that's incredible. Like, yeah, yeah, those guys are backstage in their underwear playing cards together. They're like pals. And then you go a little deeper and you go like, yeah, but you know, those injuries are real. And Vince McMahon is a garbage person. And like the more you learn about it, the more fascinating the entire thing becomes. It doesn't it isn't like you go, oh, wrestling's fake. Move on. It's like, no, no, that's just the beginning. You just reached like the, the second layer and there's many more layers under that. I, uh, I hope this isn't one of those things I've like mentioned before on the podcast and I forgot about it. And now I'm the guy who says the same thing. Like uh, the time you mentioned David Rees. Yeah, I think I told that story before. Um, <laughs> no. Did I ever tell you about the Snapple facts? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, so I, I've been searching for some time for an in to professional wrestling that I could kind of get my my nerd brain around because the intersection between nerd culture and uh, professing, professional wrestling like fan culture is pretty big. And I have a lot of friends who I really like who are – you know, just huge, genuine professional professional wrestling fans. Like, like uh, they, the enthusiasts for the whole culture. Yeah, they love it, and they find and they're not dumb people, right? They're not. I mean, they do not. They defy all of my stereotypes of people who like uh, professional wrestling. So I have a hard time, and I've I've always just been looking for a way to have any sort of connection to it or understand it. And there was a, a really, really, really good uh, episode of the Radiolab podcast uh, maybe a couple months ago called The La Mancha Screwjob. Oh, and that's an amazing piece. And it's, I, and so, I, it's so good. I, know, I mean, now we're like – Is uh, that different wire, from the Montreal Screwjob? It's that story. Okay. So, so it, now we're gonna, I'm going to be like wire guy, like telling people to go listen to Radiolab. But I know, but it's, re- it's good. It's good. There's a reason everyone likes it. It's good. So go find – if you've never listened to Radiolab, I actually think this is a very good – it's not science but it's a very good introduction to Radiolab. Um, it's short. It's like a half hour, I want to say. And it's, re- so it's, it's really good, though. Um, yeah. it's, so it, the first part is a story about professional wrestling, and they preface it by saying – I can already hear you rolling your eyes over the radio because you're a public radio fan. We're going to tell you a, a professional wrestling story. So either either we're either we're stupid or an ironic hipster. Exactly. And yeah. they're like, no, this is genuinely you're about to hear a really cool story. And it's the story of this guy named Bret Hart. I won't go into all the details, but it's a very interesting uh, episode in, and I think kind of a formative episode in the modern era of uh, wrestling that talks about the Montreal, uh, an episode called The Montreal Screwjob. So it's about 15 minutes of that, 20 minutes of that. Then 
uh, sponsor break. They come back and they talk about why do people like wrestling? Well, wrestling is about one of the commentators um, on this episode of Radiolab says people are into wrestling right now. Like at this moment in culture, it's having a big renaissance because everyone is thinking a lot about authenticity, about what's real and what's not, what's fact and what's fiction. How do we portray ourselves? How are we seen? And the fun of people who are wrestling enthusiasts is trying to ferret it. There, there is a the, the modern renaissance in wrestling is all about the blurring of the lines between uh, what is real, meaning who's. Uh, actually having a real life feud with who and who's leaving the program and coming into the program. These are the real life business drama behind the show of professional wrestling. And then there's uh, the show of wrestling and people trying to distinguish what's fact from fiction, knowing that there is some fact in there is like intoxicating to people. And uh, furthermore, there's a thing in wrestling. It's like, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the Omerta where nobody talks about kayfabe, the kayfabe, right? Where nobody talks about um, nobody in the business talks about, the the fakeness of it, I guess, or the show of it. Well, and, yeah, like, but I mean, it, there's a lot to it because I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I mean, it's, yeah. there's the one part which is the the longstanding understanding I think of that has been um, nobody cops to the fact that any aspect of this is anything less than 100 percent real and spontaneous, right? But then I think the deeper level is even for people who know that we still never break the effect publicly. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, you know, whereas you might see somebody like, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda talking about Hamilton does not diminish your enjoyment of that. But because that's not necessary to the role. It's great to, hear, to see him on Genius.com and everything he's annotated on his songs is like, oh, so great. But like with, with wrestling, part of it is, you know, I mean, it's here, one thing to just to, to try and make this. And I, I hate to sound defensive about this, but I remember, you know, I'm not a big sports fan, but I, I remember one time. I think maybe even when I was on the talk show, but once I'm hearing John Gruber talk about baseball fans, there's generally two kinds of baseball fans. And there might be overlap, but there's the baseball fans who like the numbers and are very into like, because baseball is such a game of numbers. But then there's people who are into the story. And when he said that, that kind of like a little bird flew out of my head because I was like, you know, that's really true. People like the story of the Yankees. They like the story of, of the Steelers, the story of the Bears, whatever that is, right? And the thing is like, then you start to be more sympathetic. Somebody like me is more sympathetic because you go, oh, I see you like this because of this bigger thing than like how many strikes this person got today. And I think that's kind of how, how wrestling goes too. So like for somebody who out there, like all these you dinglings like you that are obsessed with politics, God love you. Like, you know, I, you know, I say that with love. But but people who are into politics, can't you have a little sympathy for how – if you can follow the story of like, oh, my God, a bird landed on Bernie Sanders' lecturn. <laughs> Let's tweet about it. Great. I'm sorry, I have sandwich in my mouth, but that – I just um, – how dare you? Yeah, okay. I totally disagree. Thank you. Thank you for saving our, our, uh, our listeners from that. But like mm-hmm. it's, it's all stories. These are all stories. Why – you know, I, I, again, now, John Sarkisian might have a view on why people are obsessed with the Kardashians having to do with, you know, evolutionary biology. But the truth is we're – for whatever reason, we're fascinated with these stories and what happens next and that's that's part of the appeal of wrestling and then once you learn about the athleticism that's involved the how how crooked the industry is it, it just it, it keeps getting more interesting well <clears throat> so this is where the radio lab episode goes and i don't i'll, I'll try i don't i don't want to dwell on it too long but the, so the first part is about the, the montreal screwjob thing and then they start talking about this that, that exactly what you said that it's the it's the greater story that's there for people and the modern implications of like trying to figure out um you know the the authenticity and the line between reality and fantasy and then they have a historian come on and talk about well this is not the only time in modern history where people have been really interested in authenticity and there was another story which is the story of don quixote 
where when Cervantes wrote Don Quixote, it was right when people it was like the like a postmodern breakthrough, and it was sort of the first global hit piece of literature that was translated into every language and the whole premise of Don Quixote is that Cervantes found this history book and it's the real life exploits of Don Quixote but of course oh, it was like it was like the Blair Witch of its time exactly it was like the Blair Witch of its time and after Cervantes wrote it all these other authors started saying well now they found the the next history book of Don Quixote and so then Cervantes actually wrote a sequel to Don Quixote where he meets Don Quixote and Don Quixote tells him that all the other people who are writing Don Quixote stories are frauds. <laughs> so it goes it – it's like this. And but it's this like is who's, in, whose lie is more authentic? I mean in some sense, yes, Cervantes, that he invented it, but it's still – it's just that it's his lie. Right. And, and I think this was also just like – I mean he wrote this in the very early 1600s, I want to say, late late 1500s. And uh, I think it was in- it's just interesting to me that this was like a whole other time in human history where, you know, as like as the world was starting to globalize a little bit and people were 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 starting to read all these crazy works of literature and be exposed to all these other cultures like it had it, there was a similar like th- this very postmodern art and the trying to pick people trying to pick out the line between reality and, and fantasy um, equally appealed to people. And the Radio Lab has some other very nice speculation as to, well, why do things like wrestling, what is it about our time that, <clears throat> that, that, that really appeals to people? Yeah. I feel like I should stop you only because you are getting so close to spoiling this episode, and it's so good. And also I need to ask, is, did you ever have a like, professor who pronounced it Don Quixote? No. <laughs> Wait, Don Quixote? In Florida, we just say Don Quixote. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're you're saying Don Quixote? I don't, I don't know. Is that wrong? I it just sounds Merlin. Am I wrong? How would I you say? I don't it? know. I I I had always wait. Heard how do you say it? Quixote. Qu- I thought. Oh, okay. Then how do you I'm, say it? Don Quixote. I'm from Ohio. I don't know how to pronounce anything. <laughs> I had a I had a uh, a foreign relations professor who pronounced and he was uh, Israeli and he pronounced uh, Thucydides as Tukadidis. That is cute. <laughs> Isn't that adorable? That is adorable. Tukadidis. It sounds like a baby teaching a class. Yeah. Tukadidis. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I would go back to college if I could be taught by babies. I think how cute that would be. They'd have to take a nap and you have to be real quiet. <laughs> so, notwithstanding the fact that we know that this is not quote unquote real, there are still elements of this that feel very real. I don't know. I, I find this topic endlessly fascinating. I mean, I think it's the same kind of thing that makes, makes time travel so appealing to me, that makes magic realism. Uh, so fun to me or like you know reading stuff like Borges or looking at a Jodorowsky movie like there's something about a a fantastical world told plausibly that is very special and because it, it at once like you know not not to be too like you know liberal arts freshman here but because on the one hand like it allows us when we hear things like fables or we hear things like fairy tales even though we know Rumpelstiltskin did not actually literally tear himself in half like there's something about these images that allow that we can project these things from reality onto them I mean that's what storytelling is it's this just episode this does, show, does have some uh, light Rumpelstiltskin spoilers <laughs> <laughs> he stomps his foot and tears himself in two <laughs> Oh my god, sounds like Gamergate, am I right? Um, so the, uh, cut that out The, the thing is Sorry, you're uh, breaking up, Merlin <laughs> So <laughs> um, But 
what's different about this is that they are actually, and you know, so we we said this from the very beginning. Like this has been my hobby horse from the very beginning. I could never get into most reality shows because it was more about the show than the reality. It was about the fighting. It was about the Target sponsored gift card you could win on the island and stuff like that. And so you suffer <laughs> a certain amount of that on a show like this or Top Dress because you know the, the hook that I have hung this on from the beginning is to me it's different when it's a show that is mostly about making something and being proficient at making something and then how you react or adapt to the challenge you know that's 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 in play and how you thrive and do something awesome uh despite the the difficulties and that's that's what we like to watch and that it's our interest in the people and how they respond in those challenges in the story that makes us want to come back and want to see what the next twist is going to be and see you know what what's going to happen but uh, I, yeah, I thought these articles really got to a lot of that. So yeah, huge spoilers for how reality TV works. But oh my gosh, there's so much stuff <laughs> I could not have known or guessed. And now I kind of want a reality show about the people who work behind the scenes. Oh my god, a lot of it's interesting. A lot of um, <clears throat> in in all, a lot of these pieces, a through line was a lot of gossip about Padma and her demeanor on and off the set and all of this. And there's a lot of Padma lore. A lot, yeah, like a lot, almost like mythology. And it's so interesting to me because I do. I think she's a great host. I think she's the best, you know, sort of presenter of, of almost any TV show that I watch and certainly no like objections to her or anything. But like she's not the that's just interesting. Like she's not the most important part of Top Chef to me. Like I don't think a lot about Padma or, or and she's not the main celebrity takeaway of the show. Like I don't watch Top Chef because celebrity Padma Lakshmi hosts it. It's, it's just weird. I didn't realize there was such a um, I don't know, a, a celebrity or a mystique around her. But hearing her interviewed, uh, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, that hearing her interviewed on Fresh Air about her recent memoir, she's delightful. She's she's so quick. She's so fast. She's so f- You could tell that, like, if you could have three minutes to talk to her at a cocktail party, you'd be very happy. That she is, she's, uh, I hope this doesn't sound like sexist or something, but she's obviously delightful. Like, she sounds like a very interesting, cool, smart person. And so learning, as we've learned in these articles and elsewhere, that the reason she sounds quote-unquote robotic is because she's parroting what she's hearing in her ear from the producers. I'm like, man, you know, release the Kraken. Like, let her get out there and be fun. You know, it's kind of weird to me that she's she's so constrained. I think this season um, we did get some really good Padma moments where, especially like, so if you think about the the types of challenges where – uh, the chefs are serving. They're out having they have their little booth and they're serving to an audience of people at a party situation. Padma had a lot of good like witticisms and like like great smart snarky comments when she would come up to people's <laughs> booths and she would get into a back and forth with them and she always won the encounter. I just really like when it's clear that she does not like one of the chefs. It's really and, great. oh absolutely, but also just knowing like I learned here that like we we we've speculated before that chef's table goes on longer than you'd expect. But she's talking about like eight hours. There's talking about like like having to sit there and like be and like reshoot and all the food porn. And I'm sure we'll get to all of this because it's all endlessly fascinating. The other thing though in this uh, Entertainment Weekly article down at the bottom, the other fun facts area, is that, let's see, while on the subject of, of Pat, do you say Padma or Padma? I confuse her with the lady from Star Wars. Um, my strategy has <laughs> been switching it up every other time. That's a good way to go. While we're on the subject of Padma, Let's talk about how chatty the self-proclaimed robotic host is. Dominating most of the events, she was none too shy to interrupt Eric or Gail. And when she did, she usually had something amazingly awkward to say. <laughs> Here are some <laughs> of my favorite lines, many of which included similes and metaphors. The terrible food usually happens in the first half of production. They, got, they get weeded out. Uh, Kevin is the garden gnome version of Martin Fisher. He's so beautifully articulate. He's hung as like a little bumblebee, that guy. Gail is a militant fascist about eggs, the gorilla de Ville of eggs. <laughs> 
We've been through like 15 pregnancies with Heidi Klum. <laughs> she does seem pregnant a lot. Um, anyway, uh, so I think that, you know, the other thing is you get the sense of how much this is, how they've got to put put together an episode that's part of a season and part of an arc and the extent to which they shoot so much stuff and then so carefully pick out these little puzzle pieces, right? So like you want to make sure everything's scheduled and written and produced and all the pieces are in place, but then you also have to shoot tons of coverage and then put it together in these little tiny pieces and then be able to pull up a piece of footage that you may not have aired from three episodes earlier to drop in. You know what I mean? It's like it really, I get newfound respect for like how hard this show must be to make. Yeah, and so I my like fascination with this comes with like uh, how how are these made how are these different than documentaries and s- sometimes it's not that different in terms of production um, because you are shooting for eight hours and uh, you can't go to the bathroom and you just always need to be there but it's even worse because you can't uh, you have no connection to these people and you don't care about the stakes you're just there for a job. Um, yeah, and, and there was that one good part, like we're, we can't get close to the chefs and each one has a handler and stuff like that. Did you ever see, um, the Mazelses? the Mazels is the two brothers best known probably for gray gardens. Did you ever mm-hmm. see their film salesman? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu. Because I think it's a Criterion movie, but it's uh oh boy, is it astonishing! It's this 1969 documentary following Bible salesmen around this group of Bible salesmen with all very different personalities, but like it's 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 incredible. Or have you ever seen Great Gardens? Oh yeah. Okay, all right. But you appreciate with that, like the the amazing ability you have to have to know what to put in of everything that you capture to tell the story you want to tell. Or you know, again, like they mentioned in one of these articles. You know, with people like Kevin, like Kevin would talk for an hour and a half and they'd have to get two sentences out of what he said. You could, and people say, oh, please just release all the unedited footage. And everybody's like, no, believe me, you do not want no. to see all the unedited footage. It's just, it, it's, it's kind of masterful. I, I'm feeling more sympathetic uh, to the folks who make this because it really, it's an amazing effort to have to do all this. And the schedules, like how do you find Rattlesnake in like in one night in Puerto Rico, stuff like that, you know? So we just keep talking about these articles. I guess we should talk about the content of them um where do you want to where do you want to start i there was one of my favorites um because i i kind of knew all this before but i really liked uh the articles from a few years ago about how uh like the sponsors get chosen um and how because I've, i've never actually watched an episode of top chef on traditional cable it's like hulu or itunes and that they sell ads based on what they can air dur- uh, during commercials, like what, what can be on Bravo, uh, which is why to- Toyota and Dr. Pepper and T-Mobile show up just like inexplicably. Um, and uh, Toyota upgraded their sponsorship to Lexus in 2009. I, I totally, I did, I did not rating. know any of this. I knew none of this. Yeah. Um, and, and food sponsors either have to pay uh, a lot less or a lot more. Um, and this was from uh, a former elf. I, I heard that. Um, like Swanson's needs to, right, hang, to. Hang on, I'm getting a call. It might be your postmate. Hang on. <laughs> Hello, this is Max. Oh, I think I hear him outside. I think I oh, hear. Hang, hang on, on. We'll get the door. We'll get. We'll get the door right away. This is weird. Let's see what we can hear. Hi. Okay. Should I, should, it, worked. <laughs> it totally worked. Want to take a break and do the unboxing? 
Yeah, let's do it. First of all, oh my God, I can't believe you, you got me food and sent it to me. I thought you were joshing. No, I got right. you. Got your little, what got I your have little, here, uh, I'm going to do an unboxing. I've got a, I've got a brown bag. Mm-hmm. It's got napkins. It's got, ooh, mm-hmm. it's got like a, like a hot sand. Oh, come on. You did not. I Are did. you kidding me? I don't know what you're referring to. I can't say too what much except to say that you just, it's a place you and I went to get coffee near where I work. You just had food delivered from 30 feet from where I am right now. <laughs> what, a time, what a time to be alive. Oh, my goodness. This is going to ruin everything. This is mm-hmm. a terrible system. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. What kind of sandwich did you get me? Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, boy. You you know what? You're. I bet you're an attentive lover. I can't believe mm-hmm. you remembered these things about me. <laughs> oh, is this the mm. is this the one with the with the crab salad and the pastrami on it? Oh god, oh, I don't want to disclose. I don't want to disclose too much yeah, information. Yeah, say no more. Oh my god, thank you guys so much. I talk for I, a minute. I, talk for a minute so I, I can eat. I think I got your chowder. You got the chowder. It's right here. Look. Yeah. There it is. Oh my god. Is that what is that what chowder sounds like? It's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite Smith songs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God! Thank you so much for this. Okay, uh, okay. You, you guys talk for worked. a minute. I'm going to eat a couple bites of sandwich. You guys talk. I uh, sent Max's assistant and my good friend Kara to get me a McDonald's burger. Oh, she! Oh my God! She just texted me. Can I come in? Wait, uh, because I have never had a McDonald's burger. Um, oh, what a great! This and is the... I felt I felt left out because I'm not eating. Food. Alex, this is finale material. I know. We're, now we're, all, <laughs> we're all eating on the podcast. <laughs> mm. Wait, I'm so I. Uh, mm. There are so many flavors developing right now. Oh my goodness! A lot oh. of uh, a lot of depth of flavor. Mm. Wait, Kara, come, Kara, come in, come, come, sit, come, do the podcast with us. Oh my god! Alex will, Alex will turn your mm. mic on. Do you have time? What? Do you have time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, come grab a grab a seat. We're gonna watch Alex eat this burger. I see why that woman was confused now. This is. Oh, what a great noise! Oh, these are a lot of French fries. Can you hear Kara? Hey. There we go. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice so, to meet you too. Thank you. You're doing God's work. Is this your shared intern, uh, Alex? Oh no, this is not the poly intern. <laughs> this is not your poly intern. <clears throat> Kara, Kara came in at a weird time in this conversation. Uh, uh, <laughs> How to where do we even? Where do we? Where do we even start here? First of mm. all, is this why people? I think this is why people listen to this show. Oh, this is huge. This is the finale for us. This is content, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So Alex, oh, I'm gonna man. sort of narrate this. Here, get this bag out of the way. I can't. I can't. I want to really the see top you. Top and which is which is the top and which is the bottom? All right. First, I, okay. It it definitely let matters. Me, let me describe what's happening here. So <laughs> Alex has sort of unsheathed this burger, and I was expecting that for Alex's first burger, she'd get like, I don't know, Merlin. What would you guess? Like a Big Mac? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if you're going conservative, <laughs> you could roll with a quarter pounder with cheese. Mm-hmm. A big Big Mac. That's 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 serious. That's serious. Paul now Andrew. Alex has Alex has a burger. I want to say it's about the same <laughs> thickness as my wallet, <laughs> and it's got it's just two kind of squashed down McDonald's buns and one beef patty and no condiments. That sounds like a McDonald's hamburger. That sounds like your generic used to be like a, like a one dollar hamburger. I, I gave Kara very specific instructions of I do not want anything on it. When, uh, I can't I imagine, want any cheese. I can't imagine that's going to be good. Uh, this I'm is sure this is like going terrible. to Disney World and sitting in the parking lot. All right, let's. What's the Alex, matter with you? Let's, let's see here. The eating sounds. I know it's really good. It's like uh, that's an ASMR. I think Alex does not look happy right now. <laughs> it just tastes like bread. No, I've never had one. This Alex this has never exciting. had a McDonald's hamburger before. Oh my god! I know this is a big a big moment. 
So is the appealing part? I mean, I do. I I, I like that it is very well done. Uh, that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So I can't taste. I, I already any, love your approach to this. <laughs> I've never had a burger before. I got it wrong, and now let me see if I understand this. <laughs> I took everything about this that could be appealing and took it off the table. Not did, impressed. Uh, did uh, uh, did anyone read the uh, the interview with Donald Trump's like uh, manservant in his uh, Florida estate where he yeah. talked about that he only eats uh, his meat uh, extremely well done like a charcoal briquette until it rocks on the plate? Yeah. Oh look, we have something in common! Yay, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Trump, I fully support you and all of your NSA uh, minions. Make meat overcooked again. <laughs> So uh, it, it doesn't feel particularly interesting or distinguished, Alex. Is that right? Um, How's the mouth feel? It it's very bready, but in, not in a good way, um, <laughs> which is a very strange thing for me to say. Um, <laughs> it's it's you, you know <laughs> you know those rolls <laughs> that you like buy at a supermarket that have been uh, manufactured with a, a ton of corn syrup and you kind of have to tear them apart. And, Ooh, like, um, a, like a Hawaiian roll? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 the bread looks like that. Um, I mean, this is not a happy... <coughs> this is not a happy-looking hamburger. I mean, I would... They're, they're I would, best when they're fresh. They really are. Do you eat and enjoy other burgers? Only when... So I, I have to eat meat sometimes because... Uh, Otherwise, my family would disown me. But um, I, I do like it, like you know, charcoal. Uh, and yeah, I like indie do burger. You, what would yeah. be your main source of protein? Almonds. Okay. <laughs> and wow. I, I eat almonds every day, and I'll uh, have chicken. Okay. Okay. Do you do uh, legumes? Beans. When I have to. Okay. Mm. So not not you would not voluntarily eat a bean. No. Okay. No. Okay. I don't have a spoon, so I'm holding a cup up to my mouth and, and mm-hmm. drinking my clam chowder like coffee. Seriously. And I can honestly you, you say I've never slurp, been this You're happy. sort of slurping down the chowder. Oh, God, it's so chowdery. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so it's glad we gr- get to share this with each other. What, what, a, what a technology that we could have this food from 30 feet away. Uh, so we had, we had a Postmates deliver <laughs> food that's 30 feet away from you. They were so and, confused. Uh, Alex and had, Alex had my assistant drive to McDonald's and bring her a burger with no condiments on it. Wow. We are the 1%. Yeah, we've, uh, we've done it. Slave, right, t- slave, bring me foods. <laughs> let me... Uh, let me make my defense of caring about politics as compared to caring oh, about all the other know, bullshit that we're talking about. No, I know, no, but, but I you think actually a good do pro- care and you do stuff about it. I'm I'm talking about no, the people no, who like look no, at Twitter I mean, moments I, all day. So so there so so as with as with everything in life, there's the actual substance of politics of which I I genuinely don't know that there's enough information to fill a newspaper every day. Certainly, there's not enough for a 24-hour news network, right? Like, there's just not that much you need to know about that happens that that you would have a 24-hour news broadcast. Um, that's just not realistic. Uh, but but certainly, I think you could read the headlines like for a daily thing and and keep up with politics. But so that's number one. That's like the important information that people you know like tax-paying citizens should know about and use to vote based on. Then there's all of the sort of attendant bullshit and trivia that happens around politics, and that's its own sort of entertaining shit show. But I think people like that stuff for the same reason that, you know, like we're, we've spent like all these weeks talking about Top Chef, which is the idea is – I think the idea is if you pay enough attention to all of the think pieces 
and the sort of um, what I'm what I'm seeing called like the Trump tourism pieces, where a journalist like goes on the Trump campaign for a week and like writes a, a, an article about it. Um, if you pay enough attention to all of that sort of uh, trivia, uh, you'll get you'll learn something authentic about the candidates. Like there's something true inside of that. Is that fair? Sorry, I was paused. Everyone's eating. <laughs> now Kara's now Kara's eating some of this terrible hamburger. Is it as bad as it looks? I have McDonald's burgers all the time, but I prefer <laughs> them to have everything on them. A flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> my my biggest yeah. nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my old nemesis flavor. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so first of all, I, I want to apologize. That was that was like less than a cheap shot. I was joshing around. I didn't even really mean that. No. So I, I'm not. T- I, I I I don't take it personally. I think it's a very valid. I think it's a valid thing, and I think a lot of people say, "Well, uh, you know, when I make fun of, I, I hear this all the time of like because I think caring about sports is." Uh, the dumbest thing in the world and I bring that and I'm not afraid I'll talk about that with people all the time of like I just can't I can't understand the emotional energy that uh, the, Kara the amount, invests the amount in. of energy that goes into that the, the emotional energy that Kara invests in the success or failure of the Chicago Cubs it genuinely genuinely like say, upsets me. it's right like, here I know but I'm <laughs> but I'm saying like doesn't it like you Kara you're so sad when the Cubs lose I am. and the Cubs always lose <laughs> getting better that's part of the story right <laughs> yeah that's the fun of it is um is just working your way to the top well let me let me let me, let me respond just by saying um, but but people wait, wait, wait so people will always say so when i so when i make this point about politics or about uh sports people always go well it's the same thing as politics you care i care about sports and that's the thing that i can't really affect that i care about and you care about politics and my only my only response to sort of distinguish caring about about po- politics, and by this I don't mean like all the trivial bullshit, but like you know the actual the actual sort of world news that happens and and following the presidential campaigns and stuff like that is, if you don't care about sports, it has no bearing on your life, right? Like I don't really I sort of like filter out of my world all of the sports news, and aside from like an occasional Blackhawks parade where I like can't take the road that I want to take, it 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 almost never affects my life in any way. Um, politics whether you pay attention to it or not it's going to be part of your life it's going to affect what you pay at the gas pump and what you're allowed to do and how how, what your taxes are for and if you're uh, anonymously uh, murdering people across the world who will then uh, hate you for a generation (laughs) and uh, spend their lives trying to exact retribution upon you so it's like that stuff all matters and and part of to me it's like part of living in a democracy is that you have to care about all that stuff around you because it affects you whether you care or not sports it's like if you close your eyes it goes away it's I, I sort of feel like there are just people who are smarter than me who I trust and they tell me how to vote. And well, it's not like I'm going to vote for the uh, a Republican candidate um, unless it's, you know, a, a local person that I really like. Um, and I, I just I don't know. I think I just get really jaded uh, and then, you know, I don't know. Well, let me let me give a, an, an admission and, and a slight reframe that explains this in, <laughs> on a meta level for me, um, which is that if you look at look at the Internet and look at how much we become consumed with, on the one hand, whatever we're really into. And then on the other hand, what we think nobody else should be into, like a big part of being on the Internet today is being really mad about what somebody else likes or how somebody else spends their time. <clears throat> and that's not a particularly smart or hopefully not too cynical thing to say. I think it's a real thing. Or well, I like to unless say, someone doesn't like Hamilton, then Well, that know. is weird. But but like like I said uh, on Twitter not too long ago, you know, basically the internet is a place to learn that you're enjoying life wrong. Where people are always telling you that you're doing something 
wrong. And I'll, I'll tell you where I think that comes from because I think it is related, is that we, in, in, in a time when we have such seemingly unlimited, like unmetered access to all kinds of different information and increasingly few places that filter that for us in the kind of formal way things used to be filtered. Sure, there are things that are censored. Sure, there are things that are edited. But the thing is, today, we all really have to rely on our own to think about what we're going to pay attention to, how much credence we're going to give to the story, and then what we're going to do as a result of that on down the line. And so for me, like I feel a little bit, when I'm, when I'm being this particular guy, I think I'm actually, more than any, I'm not really trying to yell at people about sports or following politics or reading the news obsessively. It's more like I feel defensive because I worry about what I pay attention to also. And so in a little bit, it's a little bit like the short story, The Lottery, you know, where, you know, spoilers for, for Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. But basically, The Lottery is a, is a story about how in this town, every once in a while, someone gets stoned, like they, they are killed with stones. And it's never explained why that happens, but it is what happens. And so you can either be the person who gets killed by the stones or you can be someone who kills with the stones. And I think one of the things is we want to feel like the person who didn't get killed by the stones. And so when that comes to our attention, that means I end up really fretting and going like, well, if I'm yelling at you about sports, I'm also kind of yelling about me. Like, do I pay too much attention to Doctor Who and Hamilton? Yeah, I probably do. Like, I'm guilty of that same thing. It's just that 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 becomes a form of filtering and of branding to decide not only what you like and what you support, but what you, what you find unacceptable and what you don't support and what you actively rail against. And then what, what my concern then becomes like from where I sit, it's, I, I call it the 36 hour flu. There's this 36 hour flu of concern that runs through many online communities that I see where everybody gets super mad about something for a day and a half. And then you never hear it about it again. Thousand examples of this. I mean, how many of you with your green icons out there are still really fretting about Tehran? Well, you don't, you never really care. You cared a little bit. You care about the same way you want Katniss to make it to the end and see Prim. But you know, uh, it's not, it's not something where most of us are spending that much attention on it. You know, they call it slacktivism or whatever. Right. But so I'm not making a good case here, but I'm not I I, I don't mean to begrudge anybody what they enjoy or what they think is important. I think when we fret about what other people like, we're really fretting about who we are and our fear that maybe we aren't paying attention to the right things or that somebody's trying to fool us into putting our attention somewhere else. And that makes us very antagonistic toward a lot of ideas. Well, there's that um, there's that great Austin Kleon quote that all advice is autobiographical. I think it's true. It's also it can advice can also be a form of like unearned bragging, but I guess that's a different show. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just it drives me a little bit crazy because like there's this part, there's this little voice in my head that's always saying, "Hey, politics is about important stuff." Like you know, it's you know to to make fun of Donald Trump in the same way that you make fun of the Cowboys uh, feels weird to me because I worry a little bit because one of those feels very recreational and optional, and the other one feels very important. And I, I, and again now, so am I talking about other people? No, I'm probably talking about myself. Like I, I was sitting around last night. I was complaining on the internet about the Revenant. Like who cares? I didn't like the Revenant, but I felt the need to explain to people why I don't like this movie. So why would I do that? I mean, I know that's what it's for, I guess. But you know, now I'm sitting there looking at that and going like, why do I care? Um, I, I will. I have this. This is kind of reminding me of something <clears throat> like I've been thinking about a, a little bit with this election, which is uh, a lot of people have been saying this election is the death of the current party system in American politics, which isn't that dramatic. It's the party system dies, um, you know, every every generation, pretty much the parties kind of get reinvented. So the last time there was a major reinvention of the parties was um, under uh, Lyndon Johnson. 
and this is where the uh, there there used to be that um, uh, the the Republicans were the party of uh, the North, and the Democrats were largely the party of the South. And you had liberals and conservatives in both parties, and they were sort of these regional parties that represented a variety of other issues. Then under, I think, I'm pretty sure under Lyndon Johnson, that's where you had the very clear split of the Republican Party became the conservative party, and the Democrats became the liberal party, and the parties split along ideological lines. And things intensified in uh, 1994 when Newt Gingrich became Speaker of the House. Oh, right. He was that like the Contract for America time? Yes, this was the Contract for America Republican Revolution. The Republicans took the House and they were like, we're going to nuke Bill Clinton and shut his whole presidency down. Essentially, that, you know, it's very similar to what you see with Obama. And he took a step that was pretty uh, revolutionary at the time, which is it used to be that when you got elected to office, you would move your family to Washington, D.C. And there was a collegiate atmosphere of camaraderie and friendship among elected officials. Their kids went to school to each other with each other. They were part of the same community. There was sort of a professional mixing. And in 94, Newt Gingrich gave very clear instructions to all of the Republicans that came into Congress. He said, leave your families at home and don't move your families to Washington, D.C. Stay in your community. And now, of course, every elected official, they fly home. They're out on Thursday or Friday and uh, they come they go home and, you know, they're back for business on Monday. But, you know, the idea is that going home, <clears throat> the, the uh, intended purpose is to go home and fundraise and be connected to your constituents and all of that. But also, like, you don't have that same... Uh, familial, uh, uh, collegiate, sort of statesman-like relationship with the other elected officials. So you have these two parties that just have become, you know, like sports teams. Like you have the Cubs and some other team that I can't think of. What's another baseball team that we don't like? Cardinals. The Cubs and the Cardinals, exactly. Oh, I hate those um, guys. Yeah, fuck those guys. They're horrible. <laughs> um, uh, my strategy for this is I'll always try and figure out what the other person likes and just pretend to like their team and let them lead the conversation. <laughs> um but anyway, yeah, so it's like now there's this like sports team like atmosphere of like, well, the Democrats are team blue and the Republicans are team red. And it doesn't necessarily even map to any policies or, or principles or things that they agree with. It's just like, oh, well, here's the uh, it's like here's the team affiliation. Here's the tribe that I'm a part of. And that's the whole thing I don't like about sports. It's the whole thing I don't I think is weird about about nationalism is like, you know, I don't know. It's like, well, it's like I love I love living in America, but I don't I don't automatically assume that we're the greatest country or that we're in in any way different or better than any other country. Like I, I'm sort of a cosmopolitan. Like I just view people as people, and you know, I I don't I I'm sort of I don't know. It's hard. I I'm I'm sort of suspicious of any of these things that get put up to make you part you know more part of your tribe. And it bug it just bugs me where you know, political identity has become this thing where it's like, well, I'm just part of the tribe and I'm not going to listen to any other opinions or, or challenge my beliefs. And it's like, well, I'm on, I'm on this side of the line and they're on that side of the line. I don't know. Is any of that, is that making any sense? Yeah. Yeah. And it also kind of relates back to Top Chef because uh, in talking about stories, whether that's, you know, Don Quixote or the Montreal Screwjob or what happens at the finale, there's a story and it's not unusual at all to want to hear the things where your tribe wins or your story is shown to make more sense. And so <clears throat> when people find it so inexplicable, why would anybody, uh, Don, Donald Trump is an idiot. George, George W. Bush is an idiot. Like all, everybody's like, like screaming at the sky about how dumb everybody is. And it's like, no, they're telling a story that makes sense to somebody. And the fact that it doesn't make sense to you shows that it's working because that story was not for you. It's for the people where that story makes sense. So a lot of the people who end up feeling like visionaries or prophets or 
just brilliant thinkers, are people who are able to articulate not necessarily a, a, a empirically good or bad or anything feeling, but they're able to put something into words that you previously didn't have a name for. So, and whoever puts those names on things and tells those, I think who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Am I right, Max? Uh, what are we talking about here? Hamilton. Just see us. Just see us. Which, yes. <laughs> oh, big fan. Big fan. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I, uh, I'm thinking about with, um, uh, uh, with, uh, with politics things, it's like, you know, and, and I think with all the, actually, you know, frankly, with all the things that you're talking about, it's like, um, let me see if I, uh, let me see, I'm going to, uh, someone stretch this out for a second. I want to go find a quote that from my, from my, from my Tumblr. So I remember one day Max uh, was like talking about like the, the best way to get a politician's attention is to write a handwritten letter and mail it. Um, so I wrote uh, when like the whole, you know, um, <clears throat> gay marriage is something that I cared really deeply about. And I wrote a, a letter to Senator Mark Kirk. And this is when it, it was just an Illinois thing. And I got a letter back, and I don't know if uh, he wrote it or uh, um, I, I, I don't know. Um, but it was like, I, I'm very sorry that our lifestyles do not align, and I will pray for you. And that was just like, what? What is uh, Wait, Mark Kirk said that? Yeah. Well, what? I don't know if he said it. Someone said Someone it. Someone on the staff said it. Yeah. His office sent that letter to yeah. you. What a, uh, what a lunatic. Yeah, and it's just very... Uh, I don't know. And then it's, uh, it, and I was just like, well, all right. That was, <laughs> did my part there. Um, and it's, I don't know. It's very weird. Cause I care. I actually can't vote um, in Chicago. Cause technically I still legally live with my parents. Uh, I'm 25. Good for me. Um, Wait, where is that in Illinois? Yeah. It's downstate, I, right? No, I, uh, west of here in Wheaton. The, oh, right. But uh, so that's good though. Cause your vote matters. Yeah. In as theory. long as you vote. Yeah. Um, so and and like this is a guy who came to my school when I was younger and he was still a, like a state congressman. And uh, it, who, it, Kirk? it just sucked. Yeah. 10th mm-hmm. District, baby. I ran yeah. against him uh, and lost uh, many times. Uh, <laughs> uh, Merlin, I come from a town that has the most churches per square foot in the entire world. Is that right? So, yep. Yep. We in Illinois. Did, did you find your thing? Max? I found it. Okay. okay. Here's my thing. So this is uh, from uh, Tumblr. This is from Will Wheaton's Tumblr where people uh, on Tumblr has a feature where you can like send in questions and people will answer them. So someone wrote into Merlin uh, to, uh, to Will Wheaton and said, uh, uh, Will Wheaton's an actor, uh, uh, also uh, a Joko Cruz guy and, and uh, someone I, I really enjoy his writing and his thinking a lot. He said, uh, so someone asked this question. I recently did a prepared improv in one of my classes and I had to portray someone that I viscerally hated. And I'm curious how you deal with uh, playing roles that are in dichotomy from who you are. So Will responds, this will oversimplify a lot, but it should be a good place for you to start. The villain is the hero of his or her own story. So as an actor, I prepare from that point of view. I think about what I want, why I want it, and then I make choices based on what I'm getting or not getting. It's not always easy for me as a human to handle characters I find despicable. Uh, and he talks about that he played a character in Criminal Minds that that uh, was very difficult for him. But the whole reason I want to perform different characters is precisely because that they are unlike me. So I can do the best work that I can. And when the job is finished, I let the character go. That quote just jumped out at me. The, the idea of like people who you consider villains, they don't think of themselves as villains. Like Trump supporters do not think of themselves as Nazis and quite, fascists. Quite the opposite, and villains. yeah. They 
feel very strongly that they're in the right. So it's like it's not help in terms of just from a pragmatic sense of like what I'm concerned with, which is defeating Trump in an election. I don't think it's helpful to think of him as a villain and to call him a Nazi and to escalate the the um, the the language around him, because I actually think it makes it much harder to to get into into the way they see it. And, you know, the, for the Trump supporters to understand, well, what do they care about? Like, what motivates them? If you think you can make that situa- situation better by adding more acrimony and lack of empathy, well, good luck. They're going to win that game. Um, there's an interview Jesse Thorne did with one of the guys from UCB, Ian, what's his name, from UCB a few years ago, um, talking about Del Close. And talking about an improv. I hope I remember this correctly, but the, the story remains the same. Basically, he was talking about a, a, an improv with Del Close. Um that he was having trouble with because he like had to had to play an ogre, and he said, "I just I can't understand how to play the ogre." And he's basically the same point you made. I just think about this a lot, though. Uh, you know, the ogre the ogre is hurt. The ogre has his reasons. The person that we call an ogre, like they they're like a Jonathan Colton villain. Like they've got their reasons for how they are and don't understand why the world isn't the way it is. And believe it or not, there's somebody out there that thinks you're an ogre, whoever you are. So, you know, just remember that, like, in the same way that you would like to have your this – is, this is the funny part, though, is we feel like we're different. You know, we feel like we have our reasons and everybody else is an idiot. And the truth is, though, like, wouldn't you want the chance to be able to defend why you think how you think and feel how you feel? Just because some, somebody calls you an ugly name, that ends the conversation. Like, that's not how you make anything better. You know the story about uh, Marlon Brando and, and an acting class? Where uh, the teacher was like, uh, I had them doing an exercise where they were pretending to be animals and acting like animals. And the teacher was like, okay, now everybody is chickens. And the whole class starts like uh, clucking and looking for seeds and like uh, pecking around on the stage or whatever. And the teacher said, uh, and now there's a a bomb that's about to go off. And all the... Uh, st- all the act- actor students they start like screaming and, and, and running around like panicking and flapping their wings except for Marlon Brando who's still just like walking around and pecking at the ground and looking for seeds and doing the same thing <laughs> at the end of the exercise the teacher goes uh, Marlon I noticed when I said there was a bomb you didn't uh, panic and, and um, uh, you know uh, react to that in any way what was your why did you do that and he goes I'm a chicken what do I know from a bomb <laughs> what do I know about bombs <sighs> We had so much to talk about. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Yeah, am I right? Up here, high five. Oh, it's complicated stuff. I don't know what else. Let's. I was going to go on. We our, got so uh, much in these. There's so much good stuff in these. So, so I had a couple of things. There's, there's a few things on our old topics list. I feel, or you know, on the uh, doc that I feel like we well, could, uh, we could, we, plow we through. do another episode where we come back and talk about some of this stuff. It's, this is, I think, our audience would be fascinated to know a lot of this stuff, and they're not going to read it. Nobody reads anymore. Sure. Just I mean, it. yeah. Let's. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, let's do it. I mean, I think another thing we could talk about uh, um, if we, uh, if we've got the time, is. Uh, what do we we had talked about uh, sort of continuing this podcast or transforming it into something or doing a new project so we could do a little brainstorm on that? I'd be into that. I made a uh, a, a list of uh, potential show topics. You, are, we, are, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, sure, pitch the, us. The sounds our cats make. Uh, why you should or should not read the book first. How long it can take Merlin to make Max and me uncomfortable about group sexual activities. This. <laughs> it's, the, I'm already there. <laughs> Done. Uh, the shame of watching an entire season of a mediocre TV show on Netflix in one day. Uh, Merlin's confusion over video games because Max, of course, I'm sure wants to talk about video games more. Uh, cats on boats, uh, Bitmojis, and Hamilton. <laughs> cats on boats? Yeah, Adventure Cats. Are you familiar with Adventure Cats? 
Someone's got to explain this to me. Uh, I, I've been seeing this on, okay. on the, online today. <laughs> so there's a group, uh, there's a lovely blog and Instagram called Adventure Cats. And it's all about people who take their cats on adventures. And Max seems to think that these cats uh, definitely do not enjoy the activities that are going on. Um, and you like see, they're like, it's adorable. They're like a little captain of the boat. Uh, but there's this like just a really great story. Can I, can I describe one of the photos that is on <laughs> sure. this, this blog? So it's a blog about people who, it's about how great it is <laughs> to like take your cat on like outdoor adventures and there's like a photo of a hiker or like a mountain climber and he's got his little mm, what do you call it the little pickaxe in the mountain and he's dangling off the side of the mountain and in his backpack his cat is in the backpack and the cat's little head on on the side of like a sheer cliff the cat's little head is popping out of the backpack and it just has these huge bug eyes it just looks so <laughs> upset to be there and this whole website is like look how great this is this cat is living his authentic cat life and he's on the side of a mountain wow i like the uh bit about like travel litter boxes <laughs> to keep in your car <laughs> wow yeah it's kind of it's like uh there was a whole thing on what to do if your cat gets seasick <laughs> Wait, I, it's like it's very upsetting no cat should ever do these it's very this is all very hard for me to understand uh, all right, let me let me let me throw this out. Podcast format, so so we can't do Top Chef. I th- I obviously think we can't. The Top Scallops kind of retires with this episode, mostly just because I am tired of. Uh, uh, I don't want to think about Top Chef this much. Are we? Do, do, I, do I, oh no, do, do, season so much, and it's, yeah. I never want to. Yeah, do, he, do people he, he got with harder. It? Yeah. Okay, so so we, I think we need sort of a new a new a new hook or a new thing. So it could be. Um, so here's one idea I had that, that fits in with some of these themes that you brought up, Alex, which is uh, our um, our coworkers, Jen and Trin, they do a podcast that I, I really, really like called Friendshipping. And the format is people write in to Jen and Trin with questions about friendship. So like specific scenarios where they don't sort of socially know how to handle it uh, with their friends or, or um, general like advice or ideas about friendship. And Jen and Trin uh, really try to like deeply understand the question and uh, give some advice and talk about their own experiences and it's very funny. It's very light. Episodes are short. They're like 20 minutes. Uh, you can find it at, I think, friendshipping.fm. Is that accurate? Uh, no, it's friendshipping.simplecast.com. Friendshipping.simplecast.com. We should get them a domain, Alex. Uh, but uh, anyway, very good podcast. But I was thinking that might be a fun format for us of like, um, you know, because one of the things like we've wound up talking a lot about is like things that we need advice on. So it could be like cooking things, um, you know, related to Top Chef or computer things or many of the topics you just pointed out, like, uh, uh, Merlin uh, is not into video games, or uh, I don't understand professional uh, wrestling. And then we could also probably uh, open that up to our uh, our audience for some uh, audience questions and participation, and uh, the three of us could sort of uh, help people with their with their problems that they write in about. Sounds good. good I'm thinking about good it. I've had that, this idea. Uh, is that 30 idea. seconds of silence a good sign? <sighs> Sugar's dropping. I, I've had this idea for, for a long time to should do a get, show. Should we get you some more chowder? No, I'm good. That, the chowder's not helping. It was so good, <laughs> but oh my goodness. Okay. A lot of potatoes. Do you think we get enough questions from people or would it matter? Yes. I do. I mean, I think we, I, I get a lot of Twitter. I'm actually getting like, I, well, I don't know how this compares to your other programs, but I, I think there's actually like, especially in recent weeks, like a lot of Twitter comments about uh, Top Scallops. Yeah. People have been nice. Yeah. People like it. And I mean the 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 greatest compliment. Just, uh, that... just heard from my friend uh, Doctor Wave at Pixar that he's a listener of uh, the Top Scallops uh, program. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. yeah, I think he I think he hates me. I've never been able to figure it out. No, I don't I... think that's true. 
No, he's a he's a really smart guy. He he does he does a very important job there. Did you know that? Oh yeah, he has a very interesting job there. He he's the smart he's he might be the smartest most interesting person I know. We we just like uh, he was in town this weekend. And we just like went for a walk, and he I don't know I I guess he's, he's such a he, smart guy. And like you know you think you when you think about making a movie a Pixar movie or in any movie like you imagine like a bunch of people just sitting there in the studio scrawling, but like the stuff that he does with the production pipeline is just it's bananas. It's crazy. Yeah. Is this the guy who was in our office? Yeah, yeah. Because I and I thought that and yeah. uh, so Max is giving him a tour. And I was like, is, is that him? And uh, he's just talking to us like a normal person. And I was uh, literally lying on the floor uh, out of frustration when he, he walked in. And uh, my my <laughs> other friends are like talking to him like a normal person. I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. dude he's a really smart guy. Job. Oh. He gave uh, Max some Hamilton tips. There was a lot of Hamilton talk. I was really biting. My, I didn't want to get into it with everyone, but was I, was really biting my t- I was biting my tongue. Uh, yeah. I respect I respect your desire to steer clear of Hamilton. I, I respect that. It's a little too popular, you know. I know the I'm feeling. Ske- I totally skeptical. know the feeling. Now I'm skeptical. It's like see, it's I'm, I'm, too- I'm I'm game for whatever it is. I just want I want to keep doing it. But I also it's just it's weird. Everybody talks about like, oh, I want my dream job. I want to do the thing where I get to like play video games and masturbate all day. I'm like, yeah, but if you do that for money, eventually you're going to kind of hate it. Or when you do it like as a thing. Like, this isn't a money thing, but it's a thing thing where it's like every every Friday I'm like, oh, I got to go watch Top Chef. It used to be really fun. I think it doesn't help that this season wasn't good. I'm game for whatever you want to do. And if we can help people, I think that's a feather in our cap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing with 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 I think I think the Top Chef podcast was it, uh, super good, super good conceit. I just don't like I'm like I could never think this much about Top Chef again and be happy. Like I, I really think we've like strip <laughs> we've like really strip mined Top Chef for any depth or any remaining depth that it might have. I'm I'm gonna I, I'm going to agree that, that I'd never want to talk about Top Chef again. But I really this season was just really awful, and uh, like w- uh, the conversations around other seasons, like and the creativity surrounding that, and like the process of chefs, and like uh, the the best part of the season was Tom talking about how he like you know how makes pasta. Um, and like I wrote in that very embarrassing email, the chemistry between like the two of you talking about like process and, uh, y- you know, anxiety and all, all of that is, I think, the best part. Um, and Merlin making Joyce's voices. Oh, I love funny voices. Um, <laughs> another idea, if you guys are so confident that the, the people will, will tell us things, uh, one way you could do it is you could say to your fans out there, hey, give us an idea for something that we could do 10 episodes about. Give oh, us a Decameron. So, so maybe, Kirk, maybe we'll call people, it Kirk, Kirk Decameron. Maybe people suggest, you know, every week um, our our uh, our listeners would suggest some sort of film or you know article or some sort of interesting piece of content, and then we would um, uh, dissect it and uh, ruin it for everyone involved. Yeah, but I mean, if it was ten, at scale, it was, I mean that that's at scale. I mean that's really destroying things that you like at scale. Well, yeah, absolutely, and that's the most efficient way to destroy anything you love for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- did, that you, or, did you see make- the pod office that we were all talking about on Twitter? Oh yeah, I did. It looked like <laughs> it looked like uh, it looked like a like a slave ship. They they literally there's a line in that article about the pod office that it's so this is a co working space. I have to assume it's in San Francisco, but I I forgot already where it is. But it's like it's in L A. Actually, it's in L A. And it's okay. So it's a big it's a big office space where it's like lined with beds. It looks I mean it looks like a prison, frankly. And uh, the beds well, it's, like the Mar- it's like the Martian. It's like you get you get like this little bunk area, right? It's like a bunk with a TV in it, and then that's where you sleep. It it's it looks like a hellish sci-fi dystopian sci-fi thing, and it's like 
the thing and they were literally was a line in there of like oh uh we we uh we also like we built all the beds so you can like everyone can always see everyone else so there's like no funny business or like it, like keep the community <laughs> you know, you know really what i honest. want in my house is a panopticon <laughs> yeah <laughs> Exactly. God. It's like it's like every dystopian sci-fi cliche all at once. I also I I guarantee you they're all eating soylent and farting constantly. I guarantee yeah. it. I guarantee it. I've never been there, but I I'm a hundred percent. It looks sure. farty. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, the the idea that I I guess what I'm proposing is in order to keep this sensible, uh, what we could do, and this is not interesting, but uh, to discuss this. But you know what we could do is if you want to talk to the audience and talk to the folks. Hello, 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 everyone. You could talk to them and say, hey. Uh, without being too on the nose, what's something we can do 10 of? You know what I mean? And then, uh, then we would do those 10. Could be 10 greatest wrestling matches. It could be something. But like something that, uh, that gives us a hook to hang stuff on. I'm game for whatever. I think that's very interesting. Hey, I, uh, a couple uh, months ago, I got a box of Soylent as just, I would just had to know. <laughs> and oh, I tried yeah. it and it was horrible. Uh, it wasn't that bad. It's, well, okay. Let's <laughs> uh-huh. not get into that. Uh, but, it's uh, like got to be crack for super tasters. Um, it was not very good, but uh, I'm trying to figure out uh, what to do with this soylent. I probably have, like I think, like a dozen um, uh, pouches of this uh, uh, nutrient uh, powder, this sort of flavorless, uh, upsetting nutrient powder. So uh, if anyone <laughs> wants uh, a sack of uh, powder, please uh, send me a tweet now. I'll send Does it, it give you the Merlin, trots, do you want a powder, Max? Do you want a- no, thanks. I'm good. No, it made me, uh, it made me farty. Mm. That's what's the soil that makes you farty. Mm. But uh, do you want, uh, do you want a, a powder bag? I'll send you one. Don't worry about send it. I don't, don't want to make you ask. I'll, I'll just send them over. Don't worry about that. Farts are we'll funny. Send- I, I hate to admit it. We were watching the, uh, the Parks and Rec episode where uh, Jerry has supposedly been mugged in the park. <laughs> Do you remember this one? Yes. And it turns out it's actually because he dropped dropped his breakfast burrito while he was walking while he was walking his dog. The uh, we got to put this in the show notes. I think it, you posted that montage of people oh complaining on on Parks and Rec. That killed me. There's so many of those good bits, but the funniest one is where my favorite one is where the guy comes in and he's like, "I I, I lost my bird." And I think Jerry's like, I need need to be able to post signs. Yeah, I need to be able to post signs. And Jerry's like, well, let me help you with that paperwork. And he starts to get the paperwork. And the guy goes, there's no time. He can fly. (laughs) I went in looking for a montage of one obscure character. I want to find a montage of the guy who always gets people to chant. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to remember what was the one, um, like he, when he wanted to put something in the time capsule, um, and like, what was his pet's name? Was it like um, Radish or um, what was his cat's name? But anyway, he's always chanting something. Yeah, that's that's great. And that's the kind of thing that'll make you want to watch that show. Oh, I love that show so much. I still laugh and laugh. It's all, uh, all on the Netflix. They're all there. We watched, uh, we're going through Jubilee right now. We're having Jubilee week because uh, my kids got uh, spring break. So we're watching a little more TV than usual. And boy, we will just, we'll scarf down like three or four of those easy. What do you guys so watch? You guys are just doing Parks and Rec? Mostly, yeah, 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 like at night when we're watching TV stuff and having dinner. Um, but you know, I, I love all the seasons, but you know, it really it, it really hits its stride like three different seasons, you know. What are you, what are you, and, what are you guys watching, Alex and Alex? And trying, oh, yeah. uh, sorry, I said guys, that's I shouldn't the, do that, that's bad. No, I, what I are you humans do, watching? Uh, <laughs> what are you individuals um, enjoying? Yeah, last last weekend I watched uh, all of Daredevil in a day, and it's 
such a bad show, but I can't. Oh, I like it so I, much. Okay, I'm I'm so glad I'm not gonna have to like have an argue with uh, fight with 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 you about this. I cannot <laughs> get into Daredevil. It's like it's like so gritty and unappealing. I don't. I have no. I started it like five. You should try the times movie The Revenant. It was very difficult to make. Oh my god! I I <laughs> I did hear that that movie was uh, was a real challenge to film. Well, not only that, it was hard to make. Mm-hmm. Um, very difficult. The acting very was difficult. very difficult. I mean, they were really the out there doing difficult. all that stuff. Very hard. It was. Uh, it was. You probably haven't heard. It was a very difficult film to make. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Uh, it's a brave, it's a brave I stance that we're have taking. not gotten past the third episode of this season of Daredevil. It's not. Doesn't attract me like last season's did. I don't have a value judgment on that. Whether it's actually better, or worse, or whatever, but I can't get into it like I did last season. You know, I I realized that it almost appeals to like the the high school version of me that wanted uh, a a comic book where I didn't need to read 20 issues to understand what was going on Um, because it does get ridiculous and you have to like there there are plots where you're like wait remember how there's millions and millions of other people in the city and you just like you know when you're reading an issue of a comic book you're not thinking about you know, you, you just accept in this world that uh, Spider-Man's not going to acknowledge all of the people who are living in Manhattan. Uh, so, like, if, if you have that, oh, yeah, there there are, like, ninjas and there's a cult and the Punisher and Elektra. It's, it's, I've heard about the ninja. So says the ninja one's a rough one. Oh, God. It's, it's yeah. Uh, and th- uh, do you find Foggy insufferable? Am I the only person who just can't handle, like, his voice? Yeah. I, I know what you mean. I, I, I like Foggy, but I get why people say that. Yeah, he just talks like, "Oh man, this could be the end of Merlin of uh, uh, of Nelson and Merlin." But why can't I just want to say Merlin? Uh, dude, Nelson you're, and you're so obsessed with me, dude. Jeez, bro. I, I, oh god, let's just pretend that email never happened. Um, what? Oh, stop. <laughs> uh, you know what it is? If it helps at all, he is mute in the uh, Hunger Game movies. He literally had his tongue cut out by the uh, Capitol. So oh, it's if, that, if, guy. If, that guy. That guy. He's in the that show. guy. He's that guy. He's the brother. Mm-hmm. He's one of the cameramen, camera persons. Uh, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll go back to because I, I really liked a lot about the first season a lot. Um, partly, I think Vincent D'Onofrio was just so good in that. He was so Vincent D'Onofrio, and he was just terrific, I thought. Kara, what are you watching? Um, I get into shows way, way after they're out, <laughs> so I'll probably get around to Daredevil in a couple of years. But yeah, I'm doing my first watch through of Parks and Rec right now. Oh, where oh, are cool. you? Where's, what it's season? Are you? What season? Delightful. Uh, I, four. Oh. Okay, so you're in. So you you've met uh, Ben and uh, Rob Lowe. What's his name? Oh. Chris Drager. Chris Drager. Yeah. <laughs> and Perkins. And Perkins. Leslie <laughs> <laughs> Nope. And Perkins. <laughs> I love him so much. My body is like a microchip. Even is, one uh, grain, anyone- Even one grain of sand. The microchip is compromised. <laughs> is uh, is anyone doing the the Office uh, West Wing uh, rewatch that's happening? A bunch oh, of people yeah. in the office are kind of getting into the West Wing, which I, I'm very I'm very excited by, about. By a lot of people, I think you mean me and Jen because I don't. Um, but I, I so I've hit season four, and oh, it's that's where his like uh, Aaron Sorkin's Coke period happens. I, I think I'm right at the no, part no, where that's it, where it ends. Uh, that's oh, where the really? Coke period ends. Yeah, okay. the Coke, the oh, Coke period is the good stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think Rob Lowe is just about to leave. Uh, spoilers for the- boy, he's on but everything, isn't he? Yeah. Wow. The uh, that um, those first three seasons, though, I, like really good, right? The this the season finale of uh, of season two is two cathedrals. My, yeah, it, it is where he spe- where he talks in Latin to God. Yeah, it is my. Probably- you, are you West Wing guy, Merlin? Do you know what we're talking about? 
No, I, I like what I've seen of it. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't gotten super into it, but I, 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 I like it for what it is. Yeah. All right, Merlin's never seen West Wing. All right, let's Fin- what, what finish Steve Jobs yet. <laughs> I made it almost 10 minutes in three times. Oh. <laughs> but Steve, we have all of these magazines here. What? Oh, you are so picky about the way you want lights. You don't like the exit lights. Ah, shut up. God, it's awful. It's so awful. <laughs> but, but Steve, the computer was supposed to be on the cover of Time Magazine. Where is my accent from? I'm not sure. <laughs> Can't you see that I'm impatient and I have very high standards and I'm not afraid to make people feel bad to get what I want for some capricious reason? Yes, Steve, you are very demanding. <laughs> I I will say that the the second act of uh, I, oh, man, it's uh, I can't I don't even I can't even defend it. It's just I really just l- like to watch uh Michael Fassbender and uh Jeff Daniels yell at each other. In, I think. in that movie is um is Michael Fassbender his own As You Know Bob? What? I, I... Well, I think the As You Know Bob is at least in the nine minutes I've seen three times. It's uh, it's the uh, the the lady from Titanic is more the uh, okay. The, the As You Know Bob. Do, do you guys know As You Know? It's a, it's from like TV tropes, and, uh, yeah. and I think we're, what were you guys, were you guys talking about this on a, on a Roderick on the line? I think uh, yeah, exposition thing. Yeah, and what it's like you, it's I forget like, what we were talking about, it, but but in the in the pilot of every TV show, there's either there's the line uh, someone will say, uh, "Well, As You Know Bob." Uh, here in the police station, it's like we we do this and this and this. Or someone else will go. Uh, Tell me, professor. <laughs> yeah, here we go on the TV trip site. As you know, Bob, um, yeah. and it's it's where you have to go like explain how the, the as you know your father the king. <laughs> as you know, these ten years have been very difficult on our kingdom because reasons. Um. So I can really, uh, yeah, I should give it another try. The Revenant, though, boy, I, I oof. have. Have you wow. finished it? it? No, no, I, I get. I'm up to what? Are, I'm, I'm. I think I'm like two thirds or three quarters of the way through. It's a funny ha ha joke to go. Oh, Merlin only watches the first half of movies. Totally untrue. <laughs> That's a bit. It's fine. It's it's ha ha. Yeah, yeah. You've heard things I've done. Thank you. But no, I actually do. I love movies, and I will watch them over and over. Mm-hmm. I told you I watched Drive yeah. one of one of the third times in one night. Like oh, I so love good. movies, and I went into the Revenant hoping like. There are parts of it like it's it's you know what it is it's frustrating. It like the Steve Jobs movie in that in some ways it's frustrating when you see like you see like what somebody's doing and like what they're trying to do. It's done so well, so flawlessly, so technically well in this one way. But there's just something about it that's just ugh, it just drives you nuts. It's 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 hard to explain. But sometimes you, you like you just meet a person and like you just don't have chemistry with them. You can't explain why you don't hate the person, you don't love the person, but you can't get into the person. That's how I am with movies sometimes, and it often surprises me what movies I cannot get attached to. Where like even a few something, maybe I'm in the wrong mood or something. But I was like, I don't get mad about movies, but part. I mean, I was ready to be mad about the Steve Jobs movie, and I swear to Christ, <laughs> nine minutes in, three different times, I get to the same point. And I'm so angry, I have to turn it off. And it's not strictly because of it's. It's not historically accurate. It's not strictly because the performances are a little over the top. It's just there's so much as you know, Bob, all over that movie, and I don't know. <laughs> Parks and Rec won't do that to you. Uh, well, well, I, I Kara's past the rough, rough uh, first three seasons. But I, I think the thing that's I find really frustrating is you're watching people who are so talented, or you perceive them as really talented because of their previous work, and then just watching, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, sorry, I, I call him Leo. We're on a first name basis. He's very good in it. He's he's very he's, his acting is very good. I mean, I don't 
know, like anybody. Can I don't know if you know, it's a very difficult movie to film. I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> but uh, do you know when it's like uh, sometimes there's like a child actor and they they're heralded as like uh, oh it's like. Uh, uh, it, it's an amazing uh, once in a generation like performance by this like child actor, and it's like, is that really acting or is that more casting? Like, didn't you really just pick the kid that was a certain way and then film them being that certain way? That's, that's like, super interesting. I, like, I feel yeah. the same way about like if Leonardo DiCaprio is really freezing and hauling himself on his hands and knees through the woods and like eating grubs or whatever happens in that movie, and then he's like really grossed out by it. It's like, was that really acting or is that just him doing a a thing? Right. I mean, right. he was great at uh, flailing around in Wolf of Wall Street, which uh, oh. he should have won. But he, he, I legitimately think he should have won Best Actor for Wolf of Wall Street. Do you? I love that movie. I do you do like too. that movie? I, I, yeah. There, there are some things. There are like some eye rolly type scenes, but I don't know. Just him tra- getting into that car. Like, oh, that is one of the funniest. Every time. It's one of the funniest movie oh, that's scenes. So and the funny. and the lunch with Matthew McConaughey, like, <laughs> you, right? Like, holy god! Oh, that's so funny when he's doing the like. Oh that my God, the right. whole thing is it's a it's like a powerhouse. That was the first Matthew McConaughey thing in the uh, in the modern uh, uh, McConaissance where I saw it, and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, uh, wow, like where did that come from? Did you invent that? Uh, yes, that's my original. Um, oh my God, uh, that's amazing! Creation. Boy, I'm going into a TV tropes uh, ketamine hole here, and uh, there's a lot of uh, as you know, Bob's. Uh, New Hope has a pretty egregious, as you know, Bob, when Vader and Tarkin discuss the escape of the Falcon from the Death Star, and Tarkin says, "You're sure you're sure the homing beacon is secure aboard their ship." And there's one in uh, Attack of the Clones that's really bad, where Obi Wan goes, "Qui Gon Jinn would never join you," and Dooku goes. Don't be so sure. You forget he was once my apprentice, just as you were once his. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you this one: uh, Have you watched the TV program Vinyl? I've Ooh, never I've heard, even heard of that. I've heard great things about this. Okay, I want to know what you think. It's on HBO. Is that correct? It's on HBO, and it's uh, okay. the first uh, episode was directed by Martin Scorsese, and I think it, I think it was like at least twenty million dollars for the first episode. Is it a uh, loosely like Rolling Stones based thing, or is that is that it? Or <sighs> I don't want to spoil it for you. You should okay. just, All right. you just go watch it. Watch it on its merits. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's historical esque. It's got a lot of Ramona Clay going on. What is that? Um, I don't know that word. Ramona Clay is when you uh, tell a story that's that's basically based on a, a real historical or once living person. And you change the name and enough of the details that it's not really exactly about that person, but it might as well be. Sort of like, I guess, Citizen Kane would be a Romana Clay. Oh, like uh, Killing it looks Hitler. Like, it looks in, like uh, Roman Clough. In a uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. Who? Inglorious Bastards. Is that, uh, is that based on a real thing? Uh, oh, you well, haven't seen Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, I like that movie. I, John, John, John Roderick didn't like it. I like it a lot. Did you, uh, you but you only saw the first half? <laughs> <laughs> um... I like Parks and Rec from the beginning, but yeah, I think around the, the third or fourth <laughs> season, it really it gets it gets pretty special. You know, I like I like Anne and Chris, but sometimes, as much as I love that actress and I love her part, it's just that the rest of the cast is so astonishingly good that sometimes the Anne stuff drags things down a little bit to me. Well, she was the in season one of Parks and Rec, Anne was the Bob that everyone could say, as you know, Bob. Oh, because she's like the companion. Yeah, she was the new person who wasn't in city government, and Leslie could explain how everything works. And that was, and she was great at that. In the first few seasons, like she was an important character, and then as you became more familiar with the world, like they just didn't need Anne uh, quite as much. You know, I watched on, I watched on Netflix this weekend uh, the Paper Chase. You ever see that from uh, 1973? The movie or the TV show? The movie. 
Okay. About uh, Harvard Law School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look to your left and look to your right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Uh, who was the uh, John Houseman? John Houseman. Professor in that? Oh, mm-hmm. my God. He was so good. He's really good. He's really good. I think he won an Academy Award for that. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, good movie yeah. on Netflix. I recommend it. Endorsed. What have I watched <laughs> lately on Netflix? I never Netflix. say a thing that I like on this show. I love that movie. It was great. All right, I'll check it out. I'll watch the first half. <laughs> wow, there's a lot of these romanza clay. There's lots of these. You should go to the article for this. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you on the dingus. Is it a TV trope? Uh, no, it's a uh, romanza clay, French for novel with a key, is a novel about real life overlaid with a facade of fiction. So, for example, a lot of people, including my friend John Syracuse, have said that, yeah, you know what? Go make the Steve Jobs-esque movie, but don't make it. If you're going to take that many liberties with what actually happened, which does matter to people who know the story, um, you know, do it, do it, do it with uh, funny names. Change it around. It should have been Jeeves uh, <clears throat> Sobs. Like, yeah, well, it, it's like, I mean, that's the thing is like the actual life and story of Steve Jobs is so interesting. And it's not as though we need to invent details like it's really well documented. So it's like either tell the story as it's true and find some interesting thing to say about it or just make up a tech. Th- like, you know, it's like I felt this. I felt a little bit the same way about Social Network, although I, I love that movie. But like. What, did it did it have to be Facebook for it to work? Because I think that really affected how people approach the movie and how they watch it. I think it matters a lot. Yeah, yeah. people hadn't seen Fincher films in a long while. Um, so, and, and I think that was Sorkin's first uh, feature in a really long time. Maybe since, yeah, I, I, like in 10 years. But, but I remember, I mean, I very, cl- I don't know what I saw it attached to, but I very clearly remember seeing the Social Network trailer for the first time. Where it was just the teaser trailer with the the, cor- the choral uh, Radiohead song and mm-hmm. showing the Facebook logo, and I was like, and I was like, this is the stupidest fucking yep. idea for a movie I have Absolutely. ever seen in my life. Like they're making yep. a Facebook movie. Like it was like the first time I saw the trailer for uh, the movie Battleship, starring Rihanna, <laughs> with Rihanna in it. Oh, and no. in the tra- in in the trailer, there was like they cut to a general who like with a totally straight like steely look goes, "You sunk my battleship." You could barely make an SNL parody. <laughs> Four minutes long that would be interesting or funny. How could you make a movie out of that? You mean Battleship? Yes. Oh my let me god. Play you, let me play you some of my uh, Battleship uh, soundboard sound effects from um, uh, from <laughs> Ryan Davis reciting some oh. of the di- oh, the dialogue no. from uh, I'd enjoy that. Uh, Battleship. All right. Here is here is Ryan Davis uh, <laughs> performing some of Rihanna's dialogue from the leaked script of the film Battleship. Look at that. What's happening? Roger, Delta. Ah! <laughs> that sounds amazing. Uh, I should go see that movie. I think about that movie Is like three really times a week. Is it really a real movie? Is that a movie yeah. that came out? Yeah, Battleship. Battleship. You sunk my battleship. <laughs> I, uh... I uh, there wasn't too much new stuff last night. Everything's been closed all weekend, and there's not that many new TV shows. I went back to a little program from a few years back that I've watched several times. You know what I watched last night? S one E one, Deadwood. Ooh, still, still, still a stunning accomplishment. That series. It still, I mean, it still feels hopelessly modern to me. Have you guys seen Deadwood? Either of you seen Deadwood? No, I'm slowly working through like the HBO backlog of. You honestly, stuff. you could. Oh, because now we have the HBO Now. Yeah. The wonderful uh, modern uh, invention of HBO Now. Uh, <laughs> you That's should stop. It. You should stop watching West Wing because it's just. It's really <laughs> gonna. It's gonna break your heart. Yeah. Now, uh, and uh, we should do a little Office uh, Deadwood rewatch. 
first, just even the, the first episode by itself is just thoroughly enjoyable. And it's not, it, there isn't a lot of, as you know, Bob, I mean, there's enough that you can go, oh, that's Wild Bill or whatever. But the setup for it and the world building in that episode is mm, magnifique. So just, good. Just the, theme, Bullock, the, just the theme music when that comes on, I just get a little, I get a little chill. And then just what you, where you go from, from like beginning inside the jail in Montana to ending in Al Swearingen's bed. What happens in between those two scenes? It's, a, it's amazing how much story they fit into that. Anyway, you should totally watch it. If you're done with that, you can watch The Wire. Oh, have you guys seen The Wire? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm being, no, I'm being, I'm being watched The Wire guy. Care, have you seen The Wire? I have not. Oh mm. no. Okay. This is oh. why we can't live together. Yeah. Because oh. <laughs> you're going to say a lot of wire spoilers. Uh, <laughs> no, we might. It's, <laughs> all, it's all in the game. I don't know how. So I've I've lived alone for a year. Well, by alone I mean also with my partner and my and you're cats. with your partner and your two cats. <laughs> well, we're we're like a big meld now. We're just one one being. Some but... sort of like <laughs> fleshy blob, like a transporter accident. That's like, kill that, me. That's kind of how our couch is. It's just we all sink into it. Max, Max has referred to my apartment as as like a bachelor pad, which it completely. <laughs> It's, and it's just like this sad, empty place where we just. No, now it's yeah. uh, very uh, handsomely appointed. Uh, no, I, I, with, I uh, haven't made a purchase yet. I have a Pinterest of all of the things I I, I want to purchase, you, but you, I, I have anxiety over like, okay. mm, do I? Yeah, uh, Merlin, your house seems so cozy and wonderful. Um, huh? Yeah, really? Uh, it's kind of messy. Well, that's creep. That's a little creepy. Uh, that is really creepy. Sorry. <laughs> how do you know? How do you know what Merlin's house looks like? Just, wonder just what it's like when you're de- in it. Descriptions on uh, other programs. Yeah. Merlin, oh. uh, as I imagine your house, the way that you live in it, it sounds very yes. cozy. Oh, it's very now, cozy. Now, are you, um, you and your wife, when you go to sleep, are you in the left side of the bed or the right <laughs> side of the bed? Just to you know, help me fill it out here. Just to flesh out my, my old picture that I have for myself. You should brush your hair longer in the morning. <laughs> it's really hard to see. Through that privacy glass you've got, it's kind of hard to see. Are you left-handed? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. The cat, I don't know. Things are not progressing as fast as they were for a while with the cat. I think we, we've gone into some regressions. I think that the cat is going to, we're definitely settling into a cat that spends all day under the bed. And then, <clears throat> and then when I, when I come out to watch TV at night, that's when she comes out and then uh, that's about it. The cat, the cat thing is, 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 uh, it's a strange one. I think she might be like 14 years old. <laughs> she might be 20 years old. <laughs> She's you, very uh, old. Have you tried getting her, uh, you gotta get her a little high on the catnip. I've tried. I've tried. I bought her a cat condo. She doesn't touch it. She, she jumped up on it. a. She jumped up on a different couch last night. That's a. That's a first. Mm-hmm. We'll see. No, it's nice. It's a comfortable house. It's been. It's, it's been. It's, I mean, it's been less than a month, right? About no, a month. It's been a couple months, more. I think. Well, how how long have we been doing this podcast? Uh, since since before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Top Chef takes a break over. What Christmas. month is it now? It's March. It's wow. March. Yeah. But but older cats take longer. Uh, I feel to like adjust. I just came out of Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rihanna was in this movie. She really was in this movie. Her and uh, and the kid from Friday Night Lights and the guy with the particular skills. The, look look at this cast. What a weird cast. Yeah, in Battleship. It, are you on uh, directed IMDb? by Peter Berg? Are you shitting me? <laughs> He's the guy who did Friday Night Lights. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> he did Battleship. <clears throat> All right, I got one more thing I watched. So, so Veronica and I now have the on the Apple TV. One of the things you can do is you can get a PBS like membership, and you can get all the entire catalog of all the PBS stuff on uh, your Apple TV. I highly recommend this. Whatever, I think it's like whatever five ten bucks. Is that, is that a Acorn or something different? No, it's it's the official PBS app. Yeah, oh, you, okay. you do a little uh, IAP, you do a little okay. IAP going, and you uh, get your PBS membership. Uh, 
so in the PBS app, there are there is such good stuff. You have your Great British Baking Show. You've got your uh, Mike Rignetta's uh, Ideas channel, which we've watched a couple of. You have, uh, uh, I don't know, all your, uh, this old house, the entire run of this old house, like all the good PBS stuff that you know and love. I think there's even some Julia Child in there. But there is a thing that we love, which is there's a a podcast called, uh, has the worst name, so brace yourself. It's called Intelligence Squared. That's a good uh, show. Yeah, Intelligence Squared U.S. Debates. A very pretentious, uh, upsetting name. But what it is is uh, it's an Oxford-style debate where two teams of two people get a, a question. So the question is like uh, resolved, um, oh, I don't know, like uh, we should be teaching uh, Common Core or something like that. And two people are pro, two people are con. And here's how you win the de- This is what makes it interesting. Here's how you win the debate. <laughs> John they Syracuse pull- has a lot of problems with this, but I like it a lot. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, so interesting. So they, so they, they here's how you the win audience. the debate. Yeah. Yeah. When you come in, they pull the audience and the audience uh, says uh, whether they uh, are pro or for the resolution. And then after the debate, they pull the audience and whoever changes the most of the audience's mind wins the debate. Uh, so it's a very good podcast, but it re- I think it really shines uh, when you watch the filmed version and they have the whole catalog of the filmed oh. version on the PBS app and you get to watch people do the debates. And we watched last night. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell and the guy who wrote Friday Night Lights debating resolved we should ban college football. And I was, it's, I don't know, it sounded sensible. It sounded like a good idea to me, but I didn't, this is just my gut intuition of uh, uh, hating uh, football. But uh, I went in and watched this thing, and you hear the debate, and it was, it was an amazing, amazing debate on both sides. And, but uh, I'm very uh, convinced now that we should ban uh, college football. Wow. I just sent you a link to um, <clears throat> a show that uh, can be very interesting, a Slate podcast called uh, Working. And it's I might you might know it from I think the first episode, which was uh, how does what does Stephen Colbert do for his job? Oh yes, yes so yes, and yes. but they go in and they talk to a whole variety of like different kinds of people. How does a retail manager work? Um, how does a book editor work? How does a barber work? I'm sending you a link to uh, an interview with John Donovan, who's the Intelligence Squared guy, and he talks about the process of how they like decide who to pick for both sides. Super interesting. Like they'll go to somebody and say, hey, you're a very strong <clears throat> proponent of this particular position. Who would you least want to face in a debate in the world? And they try and get those people. And, uh, and then picking the second person that will debate with them. I think you'd really enjoy it. If you like that show, it's a really good interview. I like that show. I, I think it's very thought-provoking. But it's also it's interesting. Like A lot of times it's something I don't have a particularly strong feeling about. But I, I like seeing how they use different techniques and emotions. and You know what I mean? Like, it's, Almost- it's interesting. For me, almost no other media has convinced me more to change my mind about something. So sometimes I actually go into something and this totally flips my opinion 180. Other times I go into it and I really don't care about something and I think it's a really boring topic and I leave having a strong opinion about it and feeling that it's important. How so, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I love this. I love Intelligence Squared. I, I really, really, really enjoy it. Just reading the uh, IMDb uh, notable quotes from uh, Battleship. They're really mm. good. They're really funny. Uh, as the alien ship prepares to fire on them, we only have one round left. Yeah, it was an honor serving with you, Captain. The honor was mine. That's End pretty good. Quote. Wait, yeah. is there a- a- alien? <laughs> Why? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Old Salt Navigator. Sir, are we really firing on Oahu? Old Salt 2. Sure looks that way. Old Salt Navigator. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> Wow. We, should, we Those... have to watch this movie. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah, we've got to find this. 
So where are we going to leave it with our listeners? I think one of uh, one of the things we can do here is say like what the next step is, right? Well, follow. Uh, I would say um, uh, for all of our listeners, uh, uh, first of all, thank you everyone for listening. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, this was really fun, and I am uh, <clears throat> not that I wasn't uh, a convinced. I mean, I, I thought this would be a really fun thing to do, and I, I thought that we would get a lot out of it. But I was genuinely surprised that so many people uh, listened to it and enjoyed it, and uh, it's done it's done quite well uh, for such a stupid podcast idea. And uh, just very very grateful that people want to listen to uh, what we what we have to say, and for everyone's uh, nice uh, comments and everything. Um, and for people, I mean, I think uh, I think uh, uh, well, I certainly feel very strongly that we should still uh, do a fun thing together, and I just I really uh, I really enjoy our our talks, and I get a lot out of them. Totally agreed. I, this has been a lot of fun. And I have to say, you know, special hats off to Alex. I'm glad Alex uh, became a more uh, formal uh, member of the best speaking uh, team. Best decision of the best decision of the thing. It was like right there in front of us in the beginning, too. I don't know why we did. It took us a few episodes to figure it out. Uh, I'm Alex. Am I going to make everything difficult? Yeah. You're a delight. Yeah. God damn it. Well, well, a, a very interesting and intelligent thing uh, Pixar guy said was uh, whenever someone compliments you, it's very rude to like uh, be to, to like trick off the compliment. But I can be like, oh no, it's it's uh, so I'm going to pass this compliment on. No, it's Merlin and Max. They're just so fun and intelligent and great to talk to. So well, thank you, Alex. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, for people who want to uh, see us, uh, figure out what we do next. I think uh, so. I think, I think for people who are listeners of the Top Scallops podcast, hoping for a lot of uh, juicy uh, Top Chef content, this is probably the end of the uh, ride on that, just because there is no more Top Chef, uh, uh, you know, for this season. Uh, however, uh, I think we, we 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 need to sort of regroup, and, and there will be some more fun stuff that we do together. And uh, the yeah, best follow way to, Alex. Follow Alex. She'll she'll let oh, you know. No. Well, the the best way to uh, to stay up on that uh, would be uh, let's see, tw- uh, definitely Twitter. So uh, on uh, Twitter, Alex is at Alex Cox, and Merlin is at Hot Dogs Ladies, and I am uh, at Max Temkin. And uh, certainly one out of the three of us at least will uh, make a tweet if we do something fun. And uh, I don't know what else should people do. Email Merlin if you have any comments no, or questions. No, thank about the you. End of, oh, uh, top scallops. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, email me, Merlin Man One Two Three No Town. Put your comments in a uh, cup of chowder and have Postmates deliver it to Merlin. Anywhere USA. <laughs> Springfield. Nine 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 oh nine nine nine. This is Top Chef. Is not Top Scallops. <laughs>